0: Moncrief with Anna Glaze. on News Talk. Anyway, it is time for parenting. Joanna Fortune joins us once again. Afternoon, Joanna. Afternoon, Sean. Uh, right, who's your first question? Uh, we have a teenage son who's due to start third year in a few weeks and do his junior cert. All summer, he has been pleading with us to drop out of school after this year. He keeps telling us that he has no interest, that he's only gone back in September because he has to. He's not very academic, and and I know it. It must be hard for him, but I don't think it's right for him to drop out. I want him to finish out secondary school and follow whatever career path that he wants. It's getting to the stage now where things are getting tense in the house, as he's telling us he just won't show up if we make him go back next year. I don't have unrealistic ambitions for him to go to college or anything. I just fear if I let him drop out now that he will end up mixing with the wrong crowd, miss out on life experiences with his friends and even regret it in the future. I've suggested leaving cert applied, which will allow him the opportunity to try apprenticeship schemes But he doesn't want to know about it. He gets so tense and angry every time this conversation comes up. And I'm getting very emotional too... Please, please help. I just want him uh, to see out school for his own good.
1: Oh, the stress and emotion of all of this is really strong, isn't it? And I totally understand because the parents' perspective is here. But if I'm a teenager and I know I'm not great at school and I don't enjoy it and it's very stressful and I really don't want to go, and you're saying just the leaving cert, you may as well say just the... PhD or yes. whatever it is, it, <laughs> it feels, <laughs> it's, it's really stressful, it's really anxiety-provoking. And when you say, you know, that he's getting tense, he's getting angry, you're getting emotional, underpinning that is a lot of worry and anxiety for both of you. So mm. you may be having a similar emotional experience expressed overtly in very different ways. There's a couple of things, though, Sean, in this. First of all, 16 is the legal age to leave school in Ireland. Um, He's going into third year. He may not be 16.
0: No. Yeah, I'm guessing he's maybe 15 and when this is over, he'll be. Exactly.
1: Or that you complete three years of second level education, which again would be the end of third year. So in some way, not to get all, well, it's against the law, you know, when you're talking to him. But there is this other way you can go, listen, I can't say you can leave school because actually... You have to do three years of school. That's yeah. one of the requirements. And I think, you know, you've mentioned in this letter the leaving cert applied option. Some schools, I don't think all schools do, and I'm not an expert on education or the education system. So if any teachers are listening, I'm sure they will know better than I. But some schools will offer a, an applied version of the junior cert as well. I think it's oh. called the junior cert um, school program. I think it's JCSP is in my head. So I think it's broken down as junior cert school program. And that would also offer a lot of those kind of um, flexible alternative routes within that. He'd still have to sit exams, but it would be a different certificate he gets. And, you know, again, in here, you've mentioned apprenticeships. Just again, to be really aware, first of all, getting an apprenticeship in Ireland is like, Gold dust. Yeah, they yeah. are really hard to get. And he will need to be 16 and to have a junior cert or the equivalent. Again, that would be something like your junior cert uh, school program. So I just think, you know, you've got a lot of facts on your side to say, I hear you, that it's hard, that you don't want to go back. And I think that's really important that you do sit down with him, hear him out, uninterrupted, Let him speak his fears, his anxieties, his worries about all of this, and then present him with options along with your own fears, worries and hopes for him. Mm. And where you see this going, that if he can get through this year and you look at all kinds of options for him, then he does have more choices. If he was to leave school now, he has very limited choices. And that brings me back to the part of the letter where he keeps telling you he has no interest. So immediately, my question is, so where is his interest? What is his interest in? Because it's really important that he understand if he is leaving school, be it next year, the year, whenever it is, by the way, that he is leaving to something and that he has to be an active part of that plan. It's not you saying, gosh, well, Now, I'll ask so-and-so, could they take you on? Could they give you a few days? He has to come to you with the solution as well, that you're hearing him and saying, look, you're going to finish out third year in some guise. We're going to explore options because I'm also thinking after third year comes transition year. You do have an option to give him a chance to have that year Mm -hmm. to work, to explore other things that he thinks he wants to do. And if he loves it, then you can make choices. And if he really is like, no, it's not for me, he can go back to fifth here yes you know yeah so yeah. i just think try don't be rigid with this but don't immediately acquiesce and go well if you don't want to go don't go because i don't think it's an option I think he yes, will have to go. Yeah. So I am also going to suggest that you reach out to the year head or the school guidance counsellor who, or somebody in your school community that you know knows your son well and will be the best person to speak to him. That may or may not be either of the people I've said. And talk to them about what's going on, what his, what his desires are that he wants to finish. He doesn't feel he is doing well at school and make them a part of, OK, how do we make this year work for you as best as possible? Um, I would always aim for a planned end for school whenever yeah. it's going to happen, rather than I'm just not going. Like this yeah. bit of I'm yeah. just not going to show up because that's not a solution here.
0: Yeah. He's, he's probably only 14 or 15. I'm thinking 14
1: if he's only going into yeah. third year. It's very, I mean, he could well be 15,
0: but he yeah. could be as young as 14. And, you know. I think all he probably, in terms of knowing what he wants, he just knows what he doesn't want. At That's the moment, all that comes than, across here, isn't yeah, it? it? You know, it, it's I'm, not
1: because he has a burning interest in it, something in particular that he now wants to pursue. Yeah. And so I would be setting him in that direction going, first, find the thing you do want to do. Yeah. Then let's talk about it.
0: Yeah. Oh. Uh, crying at the radio, listening to this, my son is the same. He's a fantastic kid, but just yeah. hates school. My heart breaks for this mother. So hard. Uh, Tommy says, my daughter left school after first year. She suffered anxiety. Mm -hmm. Not uncommon at all. Not at all. I I, I backed her, fought the system. Now she's a highly intelligent 20-year-old working in a pharmacy and will be going on a technician's course soon. School is not the be-all and end-all. Absolutely not. It's
1: absolutely not. And that's why I would emphasize that. And it's not for everybody either. But I do think that... It's about your choices and options. So put something in place Mm, before he's just saying, I'm not going now. What? Yeah. You know, he he simply can't stay in bed all day because you're only going to end up going down a whole other road of problems there. Mm. So instead, put some structure around it. But I would hear him out on this. I think it's incredibly stressful. And school is such a big part of especially teenagers, but all our children's lives that to be very unhappy in it you are unhappy a lot of your day, every
0: day. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so nobody yeah.
1: wants that.
0: Yeah. I'd wonder too, is he, you know, does he have friends there? Uh, you know, is again, it just the thing? No yourself? mention except yeah. a
1: fear of falling in with whatever the wrong crowd is. You know, and again, I would think start with him and what he mm. wants to do and where he wants to be. But I mean, he's been in school two years. Reach out to the school community that know him as well. But just put a bit of a plan in place around this.
0: Uh, Jill says, my stepson refused to go back to school after transition year. His dad got him a block laying apprenticeship. Uh, But he was left, uh, he let go during the crash. He found random jobs until he decided to do his leaving cert as a mature student at 20. Today, he's driving around in a BMW, got first class honours in health and safety. So very proud of him. Absolutely. Uh, And
1: education isn't going anywhere. I think we all need to. There isn't a timeline on this that if you don't do it by 18, you can never do it. That's just not true. You can come to education from all kinds of angles, any stage of your life. But it's really just about putting... Options there that at fourteen, I know I don't want this, but hang on a second. What's your day, your week going to look and feel like for you? Yeah, and making that work for him.
0: Yeah, while he's and just even while he's figuring it out, really. Uh, um, the uh, the child or parent could link in with the school completion program yeah. project worker if available in the school. It's a dash service. They could also try link in with Iskall, uh, uh, an online uh, uh, not I assume that means online learning platform. That provide school. yeah, that provides QQ One Level Three. Yeah. It is ordinarily delivered via a youth service or an SCP project. It's tailored to children where mainstream school uh, is not for them. Yeah. <clears throat> now, will that be available on all schools? No. Nope, You'd have to go. It's absolutely yeah. not.
1: But again, you might find it mightn't be the school you're currently enrolled in. But maybe if there is a school in your community that are offering it, if they could accommodate him, if they have a place, I think it's time to have a lot of conversations.
0: My gorgeous little girl is six and whenever she's around other kids at birthday parties or playing with big groups, she goes around kissing them. At the start, it was cute, but now it's starting to annoy other children. And I recently got a call from her GAM, Camp, asked me to have a word with her about kissing other children. She always says she's kissing like mammy and daddy. And I love this. The issue is when I speak to her, I don't want her to suddenly think kissing is someone is bad and for her to be afraid to do it. Uh, please keep my name anonymous, don't worry about that
1: (laughs) (laughs) But you know, you say she's kissing like mommy and daddy and I love this. I assume that's on the cheek I think this is your issue. I actually think this is what it comes back to and I think, you know, We look, at we know this children like to imitate adults, they like to you know, they're naturally curious about what is it like to be a grown up and to putting themselves in the role she's absolutely at the age for that developmental role play and inserting herself into the role of others today I'm this tomorrow I'm something else and really to deepen their understanding and experience and that's what it does you know it, by immersing yourself in the role of someone else and taking on their perspective, you're really developing critical thinking and empathy and that ability to hold multiple viewpoints in mind at the same time. So mm. all of that is lovely. But I think, you know, the fact that you love her doing it and you think it's cute and she says, I'm just doing what I see, you know, mommy and daddy doing at home and I'm wondering what it's like to be. I still think you're in a place where other children, you're saying, you know, at first it's cute, now children are finding it annoying it's more than that children have actually complained to their coach yeah, that they don't yeah. want this so mm-hmm. you've got you now have to have this conversation a book I've mentioned many times on here because actually some guys that this question has come up not infrequently is one on body boundaries consent and respect by Janine Saunders but there is another one called body boundaries make me stronger by Elizabeth Cole Elizabeth Cole writes a, a range of books something makes me stronger yeah. you know so it's the makes me stronger range but she has one body boundaries make me stronger now a lot of it I think in the Elizabeth Cole one is written from the perspective of my body boundaries and keeping myself safe but you can do the reflection with her around and what is that like for other children as you go through it and talk about yourself as well I think you sit down and you have a very honest conversation because I'm totally with you you absolutely don't want to shame her you don't want her to make her think that affection or kissing or anything like that is a bad thing but you might say really honest, because she's six, she can she Mm, can hear this. Some of the other children have said you're crossing their body boundaries by kissing them without asking if it's okay. And you know, that's not okay. We should ask if we can give someone a hug or a kiss. And if they say no, we respect their no. Mm. It's okay to offer a kiss. And it's okay for that person to say no. So you're not telling her her desire to kiss everybody is wrong or that there's anything wrong with kissing, but you are simply putting a boundary in place that it's okay to want to do it. But you ask and if the answer is no, you always respect the no. And she is at an age where she can have that conversation about body boundaries and consent and respect. So start it now. This is maybe a good place to begin it. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. As long as they don't complain about her going around asking everyone, can they kiss them? uh. Well, I mean, it's
1: better than her actually kissing (laughs) and then the retroactive complaints.
0: (laughs) Uh, My husband is moving to New York for a year with work. It's an amazing opportunity for our family. I'm delighted for him to be able to do it. I'm just concerned about the impact it will have on our children. I know my two sons in particular are going to struggle as he brings them to play golf and they watch the Leeds games together. I know how much they value their father and they love hanging out with him and I don't want them to feel they are missing out. My husband keeps telling me that I'm worrying about situations that haven't arisen yet but I know the impact the lack of a parent can have on a child. My husband will be working office hours in America so we won't be available for FaceTime calls. In the evening or at bedtime, while morning time for us will be the middle of the night for him. I'm very concerned the impact this absence will have on our children, and I really don't know how to communicate with them or my husband without it sounding like I'm putting a dampener on his trip. I am also concerned that I don't know what signs to watch out for over the next year to see if my kids are struggling without their dad around the house.
1: I mean, yes to all of this, but also be aware of how often you've said, I am concerned, I'm worried, I'm thinking about, because I'm reading this going, it's much easier, I think, for us as parents to think about the impact on our children and worry about our children and to neglect ourselves and the impact this is going to have on you. How are you going to manage his absence in the family home? Because, you know, we can be really happy for somebody to have a wonderful opportunity and worried about how we're going to manage it. Mm. Those two things can coexist. So if you articulate your own worries about you're moving to a year of, you know, essentially solo parenting. Mm. Okay, you're going to be there every day doing, yes, of course, he's there and involved, but you're doing the day to day. How are you going to structure that? How are you going to make the adjustments in your family I'm you're mentioning things like golf and watching football and yeah. how are you going to manage all of that on top of everything else? So you're allowed to be worried. You're allowed to be anxious and have a wobble about what am I going to do with this? But I would say address how you're feeling about it first. And that in itself will help you address what's going to come down the road with the kids and they will by the way of course they're going it's not it's naive to think you know oh shluck don't worry about something till it happens you can anticipate with a degree of certainty they're going to miss you <laughs> you know so yeah, you can put hope some, so you know, yeah. you're going i mean we don't know how old these children are no. but they sound school age mm. you know um i would be saying of course dad stays informed and makes the effort with the school or you keeping him informed so that he can inquire about specific things. How was this today? Your match? What's this? I heard about something. So they know, oh, he's actively informed and involved in everything going on. I would think it's really nice for children because depending on their age and how they manage it, even if you could FaceTime regularly, children don't love the phone. Like You'll get a couple of minutes and they're like, "Okay, got to go, got to do something. So send cards weekly, postcards, a greeting card, whatever it is, just buy a stack of them and a stack of stamps and get in the habit of posting them every single week. That's going to be something really nice. And I think send them a little gift pack of things like all the American sweets and they can send you back all the ones you're missing. So you can do little nice connection pieces. But I also think, you know, this whole thing, he's moving to America and finding the, the sweet spot for a call. It's possible. It is doable. Of course He's in New yeah. York. We're talking a five-hour approximately time difference. Um, his lunch break will be your tea time. Yeah, and that's it. No matter what's going on in Workland, there needs to be five ten minutes of a lunch break so that a quick call. Yeah. Can be done. And you just, it, it's all coming back to structure. But I think, you know, this, you're obviously excited. It comes across. This is amazing. This is great. And I'm kind of terrified.
0: Yeah, yeah. So and, don't and be
1: afraid to articulate. I'm kind of terrified. And
0: her, 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 the amount of work she has to do is just, well, maybe not doubled, but, you know, it's gone up considerably. It's gone up uh, considerably.
1: And, well. and there are really practical things about what were you doing while they were being brought to golf? Because you can now no longer do, do that. Those things. Yes, <laughs> so, what, yeah. you know, have you got activate your support network as well? And, you know, I just think have a chat about your own feelings with him. And it is happening in the now. You're already worried. So you don't need to wait to worry. It is happening.
0: With mm. uh, a similar situation in my family, we found that uh, app Voice Notes. Oh, yeah. Uh, Work a charm for staying connected with my husband. Yeah, also we could send little videos as well.
1: Absolutely. I mean, technology, we might say lots of things about it in other guises, but it could serve you really well in this instance.
0: We have twin girls are the best of friends. They do everything together and they have done since they could walk and talk. I've recently noticed that when they are in bigger groups, they tend to stay with each other. I'm just wondering if that's a bad thing. I don't know any other sets of twins, but I've read it in books and seen on TV that all twins are close and I know it's normal. I'm just wondering at such a young age... Uh, Should I be encouraging them to do more stuff by themselves in order to widen their friendships and develop their own personalities? They are, of course, uh, individual in so many ways. I just want them to be able to express that with like-minded kids is pushing them into individual activities and circumstances the right thing or will that happen naturally that they don't say the person doesn't say how old they are
1: but says at such a young age
0: yes yeah
1: i go preschool when i hear such a young age yes you yeah know? and i could be wrong on that but i am thinking you know um they may not be in school yet because this is a question about to separate them or keep them together that will keep coming yes, up in yeah, their little many lives yes
0: will do that as a kind of do matter you know, of it is
1: and i just think um, the research is just not enough to say there's massive pro-social benefits to separating them and detrimental if you don't. It's just mm. not there. Um, you will get some people, uh, there's a, a mental health professional who writes books, on, especially on twins, Nancy Siegel, and she would be adamant you don't separate them, especially when they're at a young and uh, primary school age and that you wait for any natural separation to occur, but you don't Mm. force it. So I think really what it comes down to is, unfortunately, this is a parental choice at any stage. (laughs) There isn't evidence to say it's definitely one or the other. I think if they naturally develop different interests, of course, you would pursue that. Mm. And I think, you know, you would do that with any of your children, be they twins or not. But I think when they're this young, they may well be better off, happiest, calmest, most secure And they are together. Yeah. You know, children this age, especially at preschool, the way their friendships work is they really just want to play. They really just want somebody who's there to play with them. And with twins, you've got this constant available play companion. So you may be seeing this kind of we've always play together and we're used to each other and we know our own rhythms and that. And then when we go into big groups, oh, these kids play differently, but sure, we have each other and we know how this works? Mm. It makes sense. So I would keep an eye on it, but I wouldn't remotely be worrying and I wouldn't be forcing it. I think what you could do is keep an eye and ensure that there is enough turn taking between them in making choices. What do they play? What do they read? What do they watch? Where do they go? Things like that, that you don't see one twin making all of those choices on behalf of the other. And ask each of them what the best part of their day was, what bit would they like to change? Because if you do that as a little pattern, you will begin to see one of them tends to really like these things and one of them really likes something else. And that's the beginning of seeing their individual interests emerge. But it will happen.
0: Yeah. Joanna, thanks a million. As ever, Joanna Fortune there. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. With Energlaze on News Talk.